0: Hey folks, it's Jeremy. You're listening to Blammo. How we doing? Ah, nutty week this past week. Gotta gotta speak some truth. Speak some truth right out the gate. You know, I was in New York. doing a bunch of stuff, and uh, I I mean, I just felt like I couldn't really walk into anything. Does that ever happen to you? Like, I think you know something happened in my head where there's just so much stuff moving around that I couldn't really focus. Like. I mean, I don't know. That's not entirely true. I just, it was, I don't know. Like, I'll I'll say this. Like, I am an extrovert. Well, who knew, right? But lately, you know, like, because like, like I'm I'm one of the people that, you know, I need to be around folks as much as I can. But lately at night, I kind of just want to unwind alone. Like, there's this new thing where I'm just kind of getting overwhelmed more in the evening. I I don't know. But like, I was in New York and and at night, like, I just wanted to kind of, get back to my space there and and i, I just i just kind of sat like i re- I read a book i read a book in my in my room and i went to bed early and i was like you know this is nice i don't know getting older i guess uh you know here i am what else have i been doing uh sorry still haven't seen killers of the flower moon so sorry about that folks i, I don't know why anyone wanted my opinion on the movie i'm sure it was good uh i read the book a few years ago and that was good so i don't know Scorsese. Probably had some gratuitous violent scenes, and it was good. I mean, I I don't know, but uh, oh, you know what? I did, I did get to spend a good chunk of time working on this, this stuff. We're trying to get it, uh, we're trying to get this out the door before the end of the year. Like, and look, I'm not trying to be cryptic, even though it sounds like I'm trying to be, but I just actually have no idea how we're going to roll this out. But it's cool, I promise. You know, you'll hear more about it soon. Um, the pod this week, Morhas. I think I said it right. Uh, i did find out you can pronounce the name any way you want you can say morjus morhus whatever each their own but uh, i don't know if anyone's heard of them it, it kind of feels like everyone i know has because you know my my menswear friends my clothing friends or whatever you want to say like they all either own a pair or they're talking about getting their next one like seriously it's uh morhus kind they really kind of like blew up over the past few years i think they were founded in like 26 2017 something like that but you know, to me, and this is this is it's good because we talk about this on the pod, but I really think that there's this new level of frustration that folks have had with footwear and the difficulty of getting into some of the uh the more like heritage brands, right? Um, the brands that when I said it, you're like, Oh, you mean blank, right? Those brands. We actually talk about it on the pod. Um, I really liked Henrik. He's a cool dude. He's founder of the brand. I was I was grateful we got to spend some time together. And funny enough, we, we talked a lot. <laughs> so much that we're going to throw another chunk of it up on the Patreon. I mean, there was there was just a lot, even after chopping it all up. Okay, okay, enough of me. Um, Henrik and I chat the origins of the brand. We dig into the philosophy of luxury brands and how marketing can be done well. We discussed our love of scents. You know what I'm talking about. Smelling good. And uh, how Morehouse is approaching physical retail. It's great. All right, dive in. Let's go. Well, I appreciate you making the time. I realize it's like
1: six o'clock over there or something. No, yes, exactly, it's six o'clock. But I, I appreciate you, Jeremy. I'm uh, so happy to uh, to have this call and have this intimate conversation with you. You know, it's uh, it's actually pretty light here in, in in Sweden now. Uh, it's usually like ping me in like October, November, or like November that when it starts to get dark, like four p.m. But now it's uh, still like late summer, so uh, I'm I'm enjoying myself.
0: Yeah, yeah. How, how has the summer been? Did you, I mean, did you actually take time off or did you work through it or what'd you do?
1: Yeah, no, I took some time off. I went uh, like two weeks to, to Mallorca in Spain. That was nice. Okay, that sounds like a bit of a work trip. No, no, it wasn't actually. Uh, It wasn't. Uh, Okay, good. I I just spent some some time there with uh, my family, and uh, you know, just uh, changed the environment completely from Sweden. Uh, I did spend some time as well in like the south of Sweden, uh, but it was yeah two weeks. Usually in Sweden we have like three to four weeks. It's more like standard or more normal. So I'm guess I'm a little bit more American there. So uh, no, but it was it was super nice. It was in, in in Spain, enjoying you know the culture, the food, the beer, the sun, the thing, uh, the type of things that you like or that I like it still. So yeah, really good. What did you do?
0: I didn't, man.
1: <laughs> I didn't
0: do anything. I mean, I just worked. <gasps> I mean, I don't know. I guess that's that's not entirely true. I took some time off a little bit. Like I'm sure you kind of deal with this too, is in in the sort of self employed business, whatever thing, not that we're on the same level by any means as you actually run a real company, but like, I don't, I don't know how to turn off. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to disconnect from, from work. And I have this, I always have this weird feeling in the back of my head that if I'm not working, then like, maybe I'm a, I'm of no
1: use to anybody. You know
0: what's kind You of, know what the secret is?
1: What? You don't turn off. That's the thing, right? <laughs> well,
0: and well, that that is but that's the truth. That is what happens. And then I'm in this situation
1: where I'm like, you know, kind of working but not working. You know, do do you have any kids? I have. I have I have a daughter and uh, she's 2 years old and You know, I've struggled with like the exact same thing over the years. And then I just came to the conclusion that my kind of balance is to not have like the balance in what people in general terms state as being in a balanced state or whatever that means. I like to, you know, I like to be in the zone and um, combine my kind of like mission with morgas and my personal life and i've just i just came to to that kind of acceptance if you will where Mm -hmm. i said to myself it's it's fine that it's uh, a constant part of my life whether i'm at work or whether i'm not at work and uh for me that works actually it it does work a lot and and it also helps with creativity and it helps with headspace and so on and so forth and you don't add any more pressure to yourself like okay i must zoom out and just focus on everything that's not working so um so for me that works, but I don't know uh, maybe I will come to like a big fat wall in a couple of years, and <laughs> that would just you know <laughs> punish me for not to, <laughs> for not focusing more on on other stuff. But uh, it's an integral part of my life, and I enjoy it so much. So I'm uh, well aware that I'm obsessed. I'm well aware that uh, I spend a little bit too much time with it. But at the end of the day, uh, it's a kind of kind of life that I like and I, that I enjoy so um just just accept it Jeremy and I uh, hopefully you come to to my side <laughs> as well
0: I mean yeah that's true cuz I do enjoy it but I I definitely appreciate the honest answer cuz I was worried in my head I mean cuz sometimes like people especially folks who you know run their own business and an entrepreneurs there's this mindset where next thing you know they're talking about like hacking their uh, schedule and it's like oh well no I actually take a a nap in the middle of the day and then I do a secret you know workout at 2 a.m. and then I'm with you know and you're just like man that sounds so like crazy like and or it actually isn't true like I have a friend who does you know he runs his own business he does podcasts and all sorts of other stuff too and I listen to him do his podcasts, and he'll talk about how he has all these different mindful things and I'm like you don't do any of that shit. (laughs) I'm like I know you. I'm like I don't. I don't think you do a single thing like like journaling in the morning and all this yeah, stuff. I'm like yeah. you aren't doing that.
1: <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually on that theme. I saw such an uh, such an interesting or such a uh, fun movie on just that exact same topic where I thought the same thing. It was they interviewed Pharrell uh, who. Mm-hmm most uh, of the people know is the new creative director for for Louis Vuitton and they asked him about his morning routine and it was just bizarre it was bizarre don't take uh, my 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 words on it but it was something in the in terms of like I wake up at like four in the morning Then I take a super hot bath for like one hour. Then I do 600 sit-ups. And then I take 30 minutes just to write about the things that I appreciate, that I'm grateful for. And, you know, it just continued. And then there was another 30 minutes where he just thought about like problems or as he stated, conundrums. I don't know the word for it in English. You you may correct me. (laughs) But it just continued like that. And I just said like, man, you you cannot be serious about this. And I think that <laughs> uh, we have enough inflation in the economy. It's just too much inflation, like exactly that, like biohacking and hacking your day and just continues. I, I, I'll send you the clip after, after our call because it's actually really fun.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like that is, there's so much, even just in podcasting alone, there's like categories that are strictly based around productivity. Or this this weird form of leadership into which I feel like it's constantly shunning how you actually feel about a situation. But what you're leaning on is some sort of like enlightened state of mind. In the sense that like your, your attitude is that you're very in touch with your emotions and with nature and all these things. But it doesn't actually feel like it's true unless you have such an absurd disconnect from your regular day-to-day responsibilities that you're able to achieve this. You know, when people talk about like um, cold therapy and yeah, waking up in the, you know, 4 a.m. with all these, and I'm sure there are a handful of people, someone's going to listen to this and message me and be like, well, I do it. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe you don't have kids or you have, you know, businesses to run or people that you owe money to or things
1: like this. Exactly.
0: But, but, I think about that a lot, and i'm i'm I very much appreciate your your honest answer and the fact that, like, you know you know what? Like you're just kind of in it, and you're gonna have to find a way to just enjoy the good and the bad, but you're always going to be in it. And it's like, you know what? I think you're right,
1: yeah, yeah. and and, you know, I, I can actually enjoy like trying bits and pieces from it like sure cold bathing or cold plunging is a big thing in Sweden you know we, we have the environment to thank for that you know and, okay, and we yeah, were yeah. well ahead of our, uh, well ahead of our time and before the rest of the world joined us on that so uh, big up to Sweden <laughs> and big up to our super cold climate uh, and those kind of things like um, taking a sauna and then uh, doing a cold plunge which resets the body and the mind I uh, I can enjoy those things but I think uh I think that we are in like a time where, where people I don't know I don't want to generalize but I'm I'm uh, okay. I'm with you Jeremy and that it's a bit too much on like uh, what everyone's trying to achieve in in the, the course of 24 hours and it's just a little bit Absurd in uh, in that regard, but uh, try, trying some bits and pieces, and then just accepting that you have to invest a lot of time and energy into what you love or what you do. If you are uh, uh, an entrepreneur who runs your own business, uh, helps a lot to me. But
0: well, yeah, let's let's get into that. So, how many people work? And, and you pronounced it correctly, because I would always say Morias or mo- mo- it's
1: it's Morjas. You pronounce it exactly as you want, Jeremy. It's just, it adds a lot of charm to it. <laughs> no, no, no. no. Adds, I got to do it right here. No, but it, it's Morjas. It's a uh, sp- Spanish okay. pronunciation. But, you know, in, in, uh. in Sweden, they say like Morias. And then in, in the UK or in the US, it's yeah. like Morshas And we work with some Italian collaborators, like Morshas, and So everything works. I just <laughs> like the charm of it, you know, and it's uh yeah, fair. it's uh it's nice
0: so how many people do you have working there right now
1: mm, we are 14 15 full-time and we are an additional okay. like five six part-time uh and what, wow. what those part-timers do is uh, mostly when it comes to uh, the flagship store we, that we just opened so we are 12 at the office some people mm-hmm. working part-time like uh yeah different areas of the business uh, so so, so right. still still very small, uh, very intimate, very familiar, which I like. Um, and uh, a big big thing that I think about you know as we grow and for the future to to keep that kind of like family feeling and uh, keeping that synced working aspect uh, alive so to say
0: yeah yeah because i mean you you're kind of in two different places at once right because i mean the factory is in spain um and you know you all uh, appear to be based in in sweden no
1: exactly yes well the team is based in stockholm in sweden uh the factories and the majority of the factories are based in spain and the, okay. the the biggest factory that we work with is for sure based in spain and we are super duper close with them so we we have contact with them on on a daily basis uh, both as friends and as uh working partners or collaborators um yeah so so the magic happens at both places but the team and uh yeah. and the headquarters is based in, in stockholm
0: and you I mean you used to go to spain a lot right because your 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 family's originally from spain right
1: uh, yes and no. so so my grandmother is Spanish, which means that my mm-hmm. uh, and my grandfather was Swedish. So I have a Swedish mother and a half Spanish father has Swedish father, so that makes me a quarter Spanish. I grew up in Spain. Um, so I lived mm. in Spain my first 13 years in life. Uh, because yeah my father was working in Madrid and then he uh, moved to outside of Malaga and worked there so I was uh, born and raised in Spain loved uh, enjoying my childhood there then moved to Stockholm and then of course since I've moved back or since we moved uh, to, to Stockholm I've visited Spain a lot uh, I still have some family in Madrid and I was actually in Madrid Uh, over the weekend with a couple of friends and uh, met some family there so go to madrid i go to mallorca i go to visit the factories around spain so i have a deep 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 uh, affection and love for that beautiful country so i uh, want to visit as much as i possibly can
0: yeah my mom i think she did like a couple summers or a couple years in spain for school and she loved it nice and i i I feel like Spain is always, and I, you know, I say this in a loving way, but it's always like underappreciated and overlooked. For sure. um, Over here. For sure. Because people are like, oh, you know, maybe like Mallorca or something like that. But when people, you know, like Americans are are going on holiday or whatever, they're they're going to, to London and Paris or south of France or the Mediterranean or Italy. Yeah. And I mean, Spain's just this incredible, beautiful country that I feel like, you know, maybe isn't as explored enough. As it should be at least by you know leisure americans
1: no i agree on that and i think i think one one aspect of that it, it's uh, it comes down to to marketing as well if you look at like mm. the italians they are super talented with uh, how they've marketed their food right it's uh fantastic uh in, in in all cities of the world you can almost find a really good italian restaurant the same cannot uh, can cannot be said about uh, spanish people i so far, I haven't tried a really good Spanish restaurant in Sweden or in Stockholm, and I have like okay. 10 good Italian restaurants. So I think like one aspect of that is, is uh, the marketing and how they brand the, their country. I love Italy and I love France, so uh, I don't mean anything uh, bad about them, uh, but you know. Um...
0: <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned marketing because I feel like you have a pretty strong eye for marketing where where did some of this stuff come from
1: uh you're very kind jeremy uh we we're, <laughs> we're always super hard on ourselves and look at what we've done and say oh this is shit but uh hopefully some of the things are good uh and first and for- foremost our team are super talented bunch of individuals you know so it comes mm-hmm. comes down to a lot of that and then on a more general level i think it comes from you know uh a bit of that like my my childhood and the upbringing that i had and with with parents that are interested in sort of like the aesthetic world whether that's like uh mm art or architecture or culture or whatever that means so i think that to some degree i was exposed to it quite a lot during my upbringing and that of course helps uh, to, to train the mind and train the the touch if you will to have some kind of eye and some kind of touch to to brand or to content and hopefully marketing um but i really want to put spotlight on on the team um so that's one part and then the other part i think when you look at our category of like timeless quality shoes if you will i see it as well as quite polarized so you have these heritage brands which i admire uh, admire a lot and i think they're doing a great job and i still look up to them and then you have on the other side of that spectra uh, like sort of like very digital brands or very modern Mm -hmm. brands so to say and i think that the heritage brands are super talented when it comes to product i think they're super good when it comes to quality factory finish mm-hmm. uh, and so on but i think that there was a tremendous opportunity for a brand like us to combine like that kind of insane focus on, on quality and product and then combine that with a more inspiring brand and um sort of like a an, an inspiring universe whether that's and that is to team up with a collaborator or an interesting profile or whether that is to, you know, produce new content uh, that appeals to both a younger audience and an older audience. Uh, So I have to thank the actual category a bit for it too um, because I think, again, that it was a big opportunity for someone. I'm saying this with humility, but for someone like us to... uh, Come in and do our thing, basically.
0: Yeah, but I think to do what you guys are doing, and so I, as a fan of the brand, I mean, I have I have a couple pairs of your guys' shoes and I've always been a big fan. But, you know, there's, it's it's interesting, specifically in menswear, right? Because you have these these older brands, I'm kind of air quoting that word, that are like heritage and a lot of people really love and, and look up to them. Like a brand like Alden, right? Like to get specific. And people are like, man, Alden, they're they're so what an incredible story, and they they they've made such amazing shoes. And I feel like those brands kind of like accidentally fell into um, good grace through like the the early aughts of like the menswear and like internet age, where everyone was telling their story for them that they never did any marketing, right? Like Alden just doesn't really do marketing, and then over time. When there aren't those people who are just doing all that stuff for free, there, you don't just have all these enthusiasts who are going nuts over like trying to tell the whole world about Alden like they just discovered it. You have the other brands who are doing that, and, and their product is bad. Their product is trash. You know, you have, I don't know... High water, I'm just reading something on my desk. Like high water shoes, and they're the best shoes ever. And, and it's a really good site, and they're very good at their customer acquisition and their conversion funnels. But at the end, their product is soulless and empty. So you have that on the other side. And the, the hard part is like doing what you guys are doing, like in the me- in the middle, which is you have a very good product. Your storytelling is excellent, but you're not in either camp to where you're, you just completely abandon storytelling and marketing, or you are so focused on your like conversion funnel that you forget the fact that the product you're selling is actually still the core of your business. Because I feel like you have brands like Alden right now, and I'll, I'll call out Alden in a loving way. Like I've, used to buy Alden for ages and Alden QC over the years has really, really fallen off. I mean, it is not the same shoe that it was. It's and they're And it's like, they're just coasting on the fact that there's still some person, you know, eight or 10 years ago who was like, man, I know when I make it, I need to get a pair of cordovan loafers and they get them and the product arrives. And it's just kind of like, blah, it's like an old piece of candy that melted on its way to you, you know? And then it's, and it really bums me out. And then you have, you know, like you guys. Uh, on the you know that's kind of like in this middle sense where the site is good. There's good content. There's good inspiration about it. I can see how it fits in my life. I have you know uh, inspirational content, and so I can put this together. And then when I see the product in a good way, I'm actually more happy and surprised when I get it because I'm like, oh, this is this is really nice. This is a, this is a good shoe, you know. And I can go and I can enjoy it. And it's also not you know nine hundred dollars. Um, that then you know now i'm mad and i'm never going to wear shoes again and so it's like i i say this because there's this weird sort of storm that's kind of happening specifically in men's footwear right now and where it's like you have people that are still loving these heritage brands but the heritage brands have really fallen off and they're just still coasting on the fact that you know people did marketing for them for free and now they're trying to get into it and it's like in this weird state where people are like well wait now you're trying to tell me about this like weren't you good enough for 150 years like mm. and so people don't even trust him and in a way they're kind of up shit's creek yeah and so i'm i'm curious you know cuz you you're seeing this as a person who is in it and runs a company you know what are the things that you're seeing that you're like oh man i can't ever let us get to x or y like how are you steering the ship here
1: yeah i i think first of all i think that's a very good summary of what's happening happening in our category and it's happening for as i see it for for a couple of years and i want to state that once again that i've been a big fan or i am a big fan of the brands that you are mentioning and also some other heritage brands and i'm not saying that to be politically correct i'm saying that because i truly enjoy them or admire them as well but i do Mm -hmm. think a lot of it comes down to curiosity uh Which goes Mm. hand in hand with humility and which goes hand in hand with flexibility. So I think that if you combine those three elements or those three values and you look at yourself on a continuous basis and really ask yourself, are we delivering a product, a service, a um, experience that is on the level that we want or are we compromising on, on some kind of aspect? And if you continuously ask yourself that, and if you con- continuously ask or watch yourself in the mirror and uh, really being true to yourself, I think that you have a good chance for evolving successfully as a brand. Uh, but of course, mm-hmm. ask me again in about like 10 years and we'll see how that, uh, how that have, uh, has evolved. But I think that f- for us, uh, that's a big, big thing um a lot of things or a lot of this also comes from like personal frustration and i like to like okay uh i like to like paint a metaphor for that so i uh, when i invested in like quality shoes from other brands back in the days i felt that i was uh, like paying a five-star price out of like a five-star hotel and then the hotel room mm-hmm. was nice, but I thought that everything around it was just three stars. Like the service was three stars, the decor was three stars, the ambiance was three stars, the food was two or three stars. So all of these things that you take for granted when staying in a five-star hotel was actually mm, so-so. And I think that's a really good way to describe our category as well. And I don't want like talk trash about other brands. It's just my own personal frustration, which led to more us. So we really want to be fire stars at some, uh, some specific areas of our brand. And we are very true to ourselves sure. that we cannot be like fire stars everywhere, but there are certain areas of the business where we, or s- uh, certain areas of the brand where we really want to be at the highest level. And we train ourselves and remind ourselves to stay true to that and to be disciplined enough to not explore too many things at the same time Uh, because i think that's a big risk for starting to compromise on on some things that are so important to your brand and important to your customers for us that has worked so Mm. far and um we work with so a a, quote-unquote like sniper approach instead of like going too broad and in the long term i think that's good for us in the short term that can be super frustrating at times because you want to explore new things and you want to try new things and i'm not saying that we are not like flexible and that we cannot adapt to new times and uh, new phases and so on but i do think it has helped us a lot to stay true to our our cause and to our mission and i think that's reflected in customers perceive us and the customer love that we are receiving and last but not least i am personally super duper long-term with Marcus. Uh, i don't think that i or that we as a team would have been able to invest the time and the energy and the resources that we have if We didn't believe in what's needed to uh, really build a solid brand for a very long time. I think that some people, I'm not saying that everyone does it, but I I think that some brands are too short-term and that compromises the overall experience of the brand and the touch of the brand. And uh, the long-term aspect helps a lot, especially when it comes to to brand and uh, the the image and uh, the perception of everything that we do. Wait, wait, hold on a
0: second. Okay, before you send that DM or text that friend, I know what you're thinking. You're ready to buy your first serious watch. Or in other cases, maybe your fourth or your fifth. But look, man, it's hard out there. It really is. From this dealer or that store that wants the purchase history or whatever. I mean, you're just, I, I don't know. You're almost ready to walk away from the whole game. But fear not, my friends. Check out Bezel. Bezel is the trusted marketplace for buying and selling your next luxury watch with expert in-house authentication on every purchase. With over 18,000 watches listed right now, as of the time I'm recording this, from a mix of professional dealers to private sellers, you're just going to find what you're looking for. But wait, wait, I know. You're like, Jeremy, I'm sorry. They don't have that ex-Rolex or that insane Omega. Well, reach out to them. Bezel has a real team of real people. Just create an account and be connected with a private client advisor and they will guide you through the entire process, every step. Once you decide on your watch, it's overnighted to Bezel HQ where their in-house team of experts authenticate it and then it's on your way to you. If anything is amiss, the watch is not listed correctly, whatever it is, they'll let you know, the buyer know, and the offer to refund you or source you a new one at a similar price. (laughs) That's pretty good, right? This has been part of the Bezel ethos since launch. I've even spoke to the founders about it. And now you can make an offer on a watch, buy it outright, or bid it at auction. Bezel is the highest rated watch marketplace out there. Even Trustpilot shows Bezel is 4.9 out of 5 stars with rave reviews. Okay, okay, you're still on the fence? Dig into the Blamo feed yourself and listen to my chat with the Bezel co-founders and, well, see for yourself. But you got this. I believe in you. Visit GetBezel.com and buy and sell your next luxury watch. That's GetBezel.com. Getbezel.com. Well, like, what are some examples of where you guys feel like you're, you know, you're doing really well compared to other brands?
1: I think that one thing that we've really invested in since time one, uh, since day one is service. And I think that's such a cliche answer, you know, because everyone says, oh, you need to have really good service. But I think that we've really wa- uh, walked the extra mile with uh, how we've built the team. So we have three people working on customer experience, four people, sorry. Uh, and we are, what, mm-hmm. 12 people? So that makes it like one-fourth of the team is working in customer experience and customer service because we want to be proactive and we see service as a marketing tool and more than just a necessary mean. So we want to be proactive instead of like uh, reactive. And we want Mm -hmm. to really deliver a service where customers are not just happy about the service that they've received, but also so happy about the service that they speak about us uh, to to their friends and, and family and also come back to the brand. So I think that if you would ask other parts of the team and if you would have asked our customers where we really, really shine, I think that that service and customer service is a really, really, really strong one. And that's a... Personal, uh, or something that I nurture very much, and, and a personal thing for me and for everyone in the team. So that's one thing. And then when it comes to inspiration, and inspiration is a broad, broad theme, right? But if we take like content, for example, I think that we've been curious to explore how we can work with content. And I think that we've been. Mm quite ambitious in how to work with content and that we've placed ourselves on quite a high level in, in our productions. And I think that we've worked hard to not compromise too much on our content, whether that it's to, to, to work with a super interesting personality or, or whether that is to, you know, do the creative direction, the styling, the location scouting, the, the, the model scouting ourselves uh, instead of doing uh, outsourcing all of that to, to a big production company. I think that's what defines us as a team in terms of like culture. I think that we uh, are super, super ambitious and and walk the extra mile. Um, And uh, that is hopefully reflected in the service and uh, the inspiration and the content.
0: Yeah, my thing is like, is sizing, right? Like if, because you guys are basically online only apart from your store in Stockholm. And if you're buying... Something as, I mean, your shoes are affordable, but they're still, you know, elite in American, they're 350 bucks, which is still, it hurts a tiny bit if you're, if you're just getting into shoes. And like the, the concern of sizing for most people is like what keeps them from buying, at least for someone like me, into which I'm like, well, cool, but it's coming, you know, all the way from, you know, the EU, what if it doesn't fit right? How do I do it? And it's funny because there are companies that have literally tried to solve this problem and they have integrated themselves into larger companies like, you know, Gap or J. Crew and all these things. And there, there's a thing called TrueFit and it tells you your size. If you're this, you're this. But in a weird way, my experience with those always throws me off because I'm like, well, now I'm entering in all my stuff and all these things. And like at this, this algorithm is trying to tell me what size I should be. Like this doesn't feel good. And, you know, the interesting things for you guys, you just have a page. And it just says like, hey, if you're an Alden, size a half down. Yeah. And like in a weird way, I'm more comforted by that than like, oh, no, enter in our, you know, 3D scan of your foot and then this and this. And like that's because that's a weird thing is like, especially with a product like a say like a penny loafer, that's like a very classic shoe. It's like, you know, it's not some sort of you know, space memory foam or anything in there. Anything that's like feels a little bit too technically advanced around the experience makes me feel that the brand isn't as authentic.
1: Here, here, I agree with you hundred percent on that one.
0: Like it's really weird. Like, I mean, but I'm someone who spends a lot of time on the internet on clothes and buying all sorts of clothes. I've gone on sites and I see that and I'm like, mm, I don't know, they, maybe they don't really like the, the product. Maybe they're more focused on this algorithm or something. And I'm like, I'm out.
1: Yeah, no, 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 <laughs> I, I, I really understand where you're coming from. And I think that if you look at, uh, at what's happening in AI and all of um, so, so many interesting areas. And if you look at like sizing specifically, you're being astonished on how slow the development is going, you know, because if you would have asked me like five years ago, like, Henrik, do you think that there will be a device or some kind of like tool integrated to your iPhone where you can just open it and it would just tell your size with 90% accuracy and then you're good to go? I probably would have said yes, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. a bit blown away and a bit surprised that we haven't got or come further on that one. And that i think again it comes down to like curiosity as, as the majority uh, of of uh, what it means to, to run a business so we we try to listen to our customers as much as we can and we are curious about what people are asking for and also like what we in the team think is important when we are you know uh, looking for brands online and uh, when we are comparing or when we're shopping so that like sizing page that you're referring to when we compare it with other brands yeah it's just a pure result of like going back to the basics asking uh, asking ourselves like what's the most straightforward tool that we can provide to our customers and also a result from uh, our fantastic customer service team that provided us with the feedback or provided the team with the feedback like customers are really asking about like, okay i have X, Y, Z in Alden or in whatever the brand is. And uh, they wanted to have that kind of benchmark, you know? Uh, And Mm -hmm. we ourselves in the team had quite a lot of data uh, on that and quite a lot of experience on that. And then we added some more inputs to that. So yes, that's uh, a highly effective tool for us and something that's highly appreciated by the customers too.
0: What, I mean, has there been examples of stuff where you're like, hey, this is our idea, this is what we're going and you launch it and customers have been like, no.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. And I think if you um, if you look at our page and if you know uh, Marcus a bit, you see that the collection is quite tight and you see that we don't have so many lasts and so on, which is one thing that the heritage mm-hmm. brands can offer. So if you look at Alden or if you look at Crockett & Jones, they have hundreds and hundreds of lasts in different widths, you know. And the good thing about that is that mm-hmm. you can actually find more or less the ideal fit for you, I think. But I think um, I think the simplicity that we offer trumps the, the amount of selection of, of the last. My point being on that is that if we recommend size uh, the same size in, in, in our loafers that you were in, say for example, all then, and if that does not align in terms of like uh, uh, in terms of fit, it usually has to do with a super wide foot or a super narrow foot because we want to meet like uh, 80% of uh customer needs that has happened for sure uh, but it's mm-hmm. uh, not the normality
0: yeah i mean i i feel like that's also something where some companies where it's like we have to be able to fit every single person ever and i think it's also totally fine and i, I wonder about this too like where you're like look m- maybe we're just not the right company
1: yes for yes for sure if like someone comes to us and says like i have The, these measurements or send them, or if they've sent us a a picture of their foot. And we just say, hey, this is too wide of a foot for our, for our shoes. We are super transparent about that. Because again, back to like the long-term aspect of the brand, if we just say, well, it will fit perfect and you will get just an angry customer who will not come back and just bash us for their friends and to their friends and family. So I think that that honesty and that transparency uh, reflects all parts of the business, whether that's service and sizing or uh, other brand uh, brand aspects. I mean, I'm sure,
0: obviously, you purchase lots of other things outside of shoes. So like, what are experiences that you had with some of these other companies that influenced how you were trying to shape Morges?
1: Well, I think when it comes to, I'll start with like the customer experience. And when I refer to the customer experience, I'm speaking to the experience that we offer when you come to the website or when you come into our uh, physical store, which we just opened. I think we've embraced the uh, Scandinavian love for simplicity. Uh, And I've been super inspired there by websites and by brands that are not typically operating in like e-commerce or that not necessarily Uh, offer a shop could be a gallery it could be a hotel website or whatever that might be but we keep coming back to simplicity as a theme uh, and we try to get inspired by lots of different things in addition to actually just e-commerce when it comes to The experience navigating on sites we keep coming back to again uh that kind of like theme on on simplicity on like less is more Uh, and that's true for the collection if you look at that it's a super tight collection in in our view uh when you look at the text on the website it's quite simple as well or like quite straightforward and don't get me wrong it doesn't mean that we don't like uh invest the time and resources into producing that kind of stuff it's more about how can we Eliminate all kind of noise that is just a distraction for the customer. And I'm not being, uh, and I'm not meaning like distraction for the customer to just convert. I mean, to just create a more enjoyable customer experience. Then when it comes to like the, the mm. service, how we speak to speak to our customers, whether that's online, a uh, ton of voice, or how we greet our customers in, in the store. Uh, I have a just very long love for for service, as it might uh, as it might be clear uh, by now. I think that that's been highly inspired by uh, smaller, really good hotels. Oh yeah, smaller restaurants. Very kind of like old school, kind of like marketing, uh, where you. Uh, visited your your local coffee shop or your uh, local supermarket they know your name uh, they know your preference preferences they know your favorite kind of food and so on that kind of vibe and that kind of way of treating customers is something that i think is quite straightforward for a lot of people but i don't think a lot of brands are doing it because it's hard (laughs) it's hard it's hard to remember people's names it's hard to uh be one step ahead and it's tough because it demands quite a lot of energy from you and it's so easy to compromise on outsourcing service to, to someone or to not making it a core of your brand so uh, very kind of like old school kind of service marketing and experience is something that I ch- try to do and the team tries to do and something that's quite fulfilling as well and quite motivating as well because i know this sounds super cliche but uh, the the biggest motivator for us and the thing that we get the most out of is when when customers are just blown away and you know an expected service is just to reply to to the customers uh, requests a good service to doing a little bit extra and for us our wow service is seeing what the customer is not seeing and delivering on that and um, delivering a positive surprise or a positive experience. Doing that, maintaining that and evolving that as we grow is something that I think a lot about and something that uh, I speak a lot with the team about. And again, comes back to not compromising.
0: I mean, do you think that there is a I, I spe- especially with younger folks who grow up Purchasing things on the internet and not really having a deep relationship with a brand. Do you think that there's a level that's almost too much for some folks? Because even me, you know, I had bought something from some random store at one point and my birthday was last month and I got a postcard from them. And I was like, (laughs) What the hell? Well, and I was just like, I don't, I didn't want it in a weird way. I was, I was almost annoyed that I got the postcard from him. I was like, I don't need you to wish me a happy birthday. I bought some socks from you like yeah. seven months ago. Yeah, no. You know, and, and it, it makes me think about that too, especially now, like what, what is the line that's like almost too, too good a service in a sense. Um, especially as people who are buying, who are, you know, purchasing from some of these brands out they they don't, they don't even want that level of engagement or interactivity.
1: No, I, I think there's an, there's an interesting point to that. and, for us, what I mean about like a, a great service to me and a great service to us uh, as a team, I think, is more about being super reasonable uh, as as folks mm-hmm. or as people, and being reasonable as yeah. as a company without being creepy, you know, and without uh, you know going over the line. It's it's uh more about not getting too lazy and just seeing service as a necessary mean, while instead of like flipping that, like okay, let's use service as a fantastic tool to. Engage with our customers and try to be one step ahead of our customers. It doesn't mean that we are, you know, exaggerating and uh, doing so uh, very unreasonable things. I think it's just one of like the oldest tricks in the books. And so few brands still do, uh, do it on a really good level. And again, in, in it's that's whether that it's a restaurant or a hotel or a brand or whatever the service might be you are always you always remember the brands that are delivering uh, a, a great experience and a great service and i want to like emphasize on that service is not just how we speak to the customers it's uh, the experience on the website and uh, mm-hmm. and also mm-hmm. how we present the brand to some extent do
0: you do you guys see yourself getting out of footwear, or not? Sorry, not leaving footwear, but offering additional things outside of footwear.
1: I think that would require quite a lot. I um, back to the thing that I said earlier that we are quite uh, long term and quite disciplined about doing a few things really good. I think that there are quite a lot mm-hmm. of brands that are doing uh, other interesting verticals really really good and i don't see the kind of like opportunity for more of us to do the thing that we do um in other categories because the uh, the competition and the um level of brands that are in other yeah, categories have are doing such a great job so I don't think that there's a natural uh, place for us there but i, I I'm not saying never uh, but for now we are quite focused on like uh, quality shoes and accessories
0: yeah I mean I can't think of a single brand that has like a luxury product that I would want to wear head to toe in all honesty like it, I know there's like okay let's talk about like Gucci or Prada Like I would, and I think you're always going to get something that's not as good. I don't think that there's the best Prada shirt with the best Prada pants and the best Prada shoes. I mean, especially as someone who has experienced and seen how luxury stuff is made and marked up and manufactured. You're like, no way. I agree. And so, you know, it it gives me a little bit of pause at times when there's brands that like, we're doing, we're going to do everything. And and we're going to get outside of even clothing. We're going to get into hotels and hospitality. Yeah. And, you know, because if you were like, oh, well, speaking of restaurants, we're doing our own restaurant and we're doing this and we're doing a hotel and we're doing a travel. E-, it's just like, yeah, oh, yeah,
1: no. no, I agree. You know, and, and speaking of restaurants, have you ever been to a restaurant where they serve like all kinds of food and they do it at a really good level? You know, they serve Italian, they serve. Spanish food is serve Swedish food is served, American food, everything at the same time, and everything just super duper good. I don't think so. I haven't. Uh, actually, I- IKEA is no. pretty good at that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. IKEA might be the exception, but I think that's okay. a good metaphor, you know. But like, uh, I'm I'm I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, a yeah. super big advocate. Kidding aside, I'm a super big advocate for doing a few things really good and focusing on that, and. um uh, and not like turning yourself into like an octopus that wants the, to do uh, everything at the same time. I think there are brands that are doing a, a tremendous job on on many things. Uh, but I agree with you that I cannot come up with a brand that's doing head to toe kind of full wardrobe really, really well. And I think that's a nice thing to see that brands are niched and focused and dedicated on trying to be the best at what they do because it will be... Uh, for the benefit of the customer at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I mean, w- when you're making the mood board, right, for Morhas, and you're looking at, you know, like the the editorial and the stuff that you put together, are there certain things that you feel like fit your guys's world better than others? I mean, is it an Eames chair? Is it, you know, is it USM Howler? Yeah. You know, furniture. Like, wh- what are those things that you you personally have a connection with?
1: I think a lot of it comes, uh, keeps coming back to uh, looking back in time quite a lot. So uh, one concrete example can be like the shoulder of jackets. You know, I see so many brands uh, focusing so much on like soft shoulders and like Italian kind of like silhouettes. I'm on the other side of that kind of vibe. I like uh, more uh, fixed shoulders and kind of like 80s kind of Ralph Lauren vibe with like super peaked labels mm. and very formed shoulders. And uh, I think mm-hmm. there's a very much of masculinity in that, a lot of confidence in that and sort of like a timelessness to it. That's quite beautiful. And that's like a red thread that keeps coming back in, in the in in the mood boards and in the when we set up uh, new photo shoots
0: so where are you getting your tailoring then?
1: Uh, <laughs> i must be careful about the brands that i'm mentioning here because i'm i'm friends with so many of them but like there are not so many brands that are doing constructed shoulders and that are doing uh, that kind of aesthetics uh that i want so i Sometimes need to go bespoke, and uh, then I turn to to Gertrisch in Sweden, oh. and uh, just because they can, they can fulfill the vision that I want without, uh, yeah, without compromising too much. They are super good, like made to measure brands, and but it always comes with a compromise on on the constructed shoulders that. Uh, it's, it's uh, hard to uh, achieve the vision. And then also that I'm quite big of a person, so I, uh, I have a very hard time finding things off the rack. And then that's usually then vintage uh, when it comes to especially jackets on that theme.
0: Yeah, I feel like Sweden though in general, there, there's a strong appreciation for like quality menswear. And which, you know, here in the US, I mean, obviously this country's an order of magnitude larger than Sweden, fortunately and unfortunately at the same time. But like there, you know, a lot of guys are like, Look, my top tier of what I'm gonna spend on a jacket is like two hundred bucks. So if, if if it can't be a two hundred bucks, you're not gonna get it. You know, a friend of mine was like, Hey, I got, you know, I have two hundred and fifty dollars. I want to get a really good jacket. Where would you go? And I was like, nowhere. I don't know. You know, and, and this and now I'm sounding like an elitist person, and I'm not trying to, but the point I'm trying to say is like there there's a level of of spend required for to meet the the goals of what I think this person wants. Yeah. You know, just like if someone's like, hey, I have $500, can I go get a car? Yeah. I'm like, well, <laughs> maybe, you know, and that's what I always try to mirror back to them. And so, I mean, are there, it feels like in Sweden, more people there are they're used to what the true cost yeah is yeah or something like that and so it's they're easier with yeah
1: that. yeah perhaps and i think uh that that we value quality and that we uh maybe i don't know um look at in, in investing in quality that uh lasts longer over time and that uh, that kind of design and and style aesthetics uh holds over time as well and i think that when it comes to to men's wear, to clothing, I think there are so many tremendous brands and everything from from like top to toe when it comes to to jackets and shirts and jeans and so on. So the, the thing about like, the aesthetics for, for the jacket that keeps coming back in the mood board is just one thing but then back to your question on that jeremy uh we uh keep coming back to finding some kind of contrast in in the styling so we like to to mix uh, more formal suiting or more formal tailoring with uh, vintage levi's and um and uh, some other vintage pieces uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, we keep coming back to uh, to nature we keep coming back to food and uh, trying to create like a style and an aesthetic that's aspirational, but still very relatable for many people and something that we can uh, look at now and get inspired by and hopefully look back at in like 10, 15, 20 years time and still be proud of. So my kind of like source of inspiration tends to, um, tends to be back in time. So,
0: okay. So, so Casa Morges, the, the store that opened. Right, and I don't know if, if anyone's caught this. I think I've I've pronounced Morhas or morhees, oh, like about forty different <laughs> ways that. throughout this course of our conversation. But um, the design of that is very it's it's subtle the interior, but it's also, I, and because I'm, I'm someone who doesn't know that much design, like it's, it's very specific, right? You have strong wood tones. You have some stuff. That's a little bit, that looks a little bit seventies. You have stuff that looks a little bit forties and like how close to that design is mirrored in your home or your personal taste and aesthetic.
1: It's super duper, duper close. My personal taste I think it's relatively close to my personal home uh, in terms of like overall ambiance. I think that we've managed to create an even nicer atmosphere in the store than uh, what I have at home. It's still a bit too stale at home, to be honest, a little bit too Scandinavian. But I think I think the defining factors of like contrasting elegance with a more casual vibe and adding quality, without like creating like a stiff environment and combining very traditional uh, design and very traditional architecture with sort of like sexy aspects yeah like
0: that coffee table in there yeah it looks good it's good i don't know what it is thank you it looks cool thank you
1: it's it's lava stone actually oh wow but i think again like it doesn't matter if it's our our Uh, styling or if it's our content or if it's our store i think we keep coming back to that kind of like contrasting aspect of how we do things where we like to merge super duper traditional uh, aspects with more uh, contemporary things that always adds, uh, some kind of spice to the brand and some kind of uh, experience to the brand. And I still haven't come up with a better word. So, uh, as you're an American, maybe you can help me out with that, but I, I, uh, keep referring to being sexy as a brand as well, because I don't just want to be like good looking. I want to add some kind of like subtle charm to it without being provocative. And I think mm-hmm. that kind of like red marble stone that you are referring to in the store is super hot, it's super sexy, and that's motivational for me personally uh and i'm I'm super duper close to um that that personal style but of course the the realizing the vision is a big thanks to the architect uh victor that i worked super close with that's also also has a spanish swedish background so he understood the vision right from the bat
0: yeah when when you're doing stuff at your own personal home how how close or different are you and your partner's taste
1: i'm quite close actually because i I fully renovated my home two years ago yeah two two and a half years ago and uh I think that I've learned maybe the hard way that it's better to really find the people that um, that does your kind of like taste or your kind of vibe instead of like trying to make them do it your way. So for the architect for my home, I'm, I'm very close to her style and taste. Uh, Victor uh, and my taste for the store are super aligned. And I think mm-hmm. that goes for photographers, architects, copywriters. I think it's easier and better and much more of a pleasant working environment if you can find the the talents that uh, appeal to your personal taste and style
0: so you're basically saying hi, you you hired a professional to do that because my my so i say this because my wife and i we when we got our house you know we left new york during covid bought a house in the suburbs and we were like wow we have all this space Look at us. We're going to get we're really going to get to have our dream, you know, and we realized how drastically different our ideas of how we wanted our home to look like. And and I'm not talking about oh there was some chair that we fought over. It's like I'm talking like paint colors, right? Like we got in and the first thing she wanted to do, which I respect and I was, you know, in agreement on is she's like, "Oh, I really want to just paint this whole room like this this blue. This deep blue." And we, we did it, and I was like, what the fuck? I was like, this is so nuts. I was like, it's like we're in this dark ocean, and now I'm like, oh, no, how do we do this? And then the lighting was all wrong. And so then we painted, and then I was like, that's it. We're painting everything white. So we painted it all white. And then again, we're like, oh, man, it's way too bright. What do we do? And only recently were we like, you know, it might just make sense to try to hire someone just just to get some advice just to be like, Hey, here's some things that you can do because, you know, you know, we just found out cause we, we, we both care so much about our aesthetic and our environment and the furniture and, and all these things that, that, um, I would say stereotypically other friends of hers were like, Oh, your husband shouldn't care about what furniture I'm like, you fucking <laughs> damn right. I care about the furniture. And so, <laughs> and so like, You know, we we had to kind of bring someone in in a weird way. I say this because it actually helped me understand more about how my taste worked across everything, not just the home. It was it was almost, you know, I was like, oh, okay, so they're taking inspiration from here and here. And that, you know, it's because you guys have a thing about Frank Lloyd Wright on your blog. And for me, Frank Lloyd Wright, I have loved and admired, you know, his design and his aesthetic and also his take on how design could be accessible to others. Not not so much in the Dieter Rams world, who really was, I would say, is almost more of a teacher than a designer, even though he's an incredible one. But like, you know, really kind of embodying that. And as I got to connect with the things that I liked and understood physically around my world, it really did help me understand more about the clothes that I liked. And in a weird way now, it's easier for me to explain my own personal style because I got to work with someone <laughs> Who helped me understand the environment that i wanted to be oh yeah you did
1: that's cool um and i never knew it yeah no i I think that um i think if you look at marcas as a brand you're forced to uh keep things together because that was my own personal frustration before starting Morcus that it was just so messy and uh, that it wasn't coherent in different touch points with the customer Uh, and i want The brand uh, and we want the brand to be as a red thread in all kind of interactions and all kind of touch points with the customer. And I think when it comes to interior design or when it comes to renovating your home, uh, that has Mm -hmm. helped me a lot as well to really take a step back and and paint a vision and a mood board that i like and that helps a lot to like filter the things that i don't like and yeah and of course then it helps a lot to team up with with an individual uh, in this case an architect to that 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 appeals to your taste and that appeals to your style and uh, it might be a bit of a hurdle for some people because uh, you might think why should I invest in that? But I do think that if you're looking to renovating uh, your home, you will benefit quite a lot from doing that investment, both in terms of energy, uh, actual actual money, and then uh, also get a more enjoyable home that is more, thought through and uh, that you can enjoy for a longer period of time because what you do then at the same time is that you at least not me you don't rush into uh, impulses or trends or things that are just like
0: <laughs> that's me <laughs> uh, Bye, no, hello. no i'm not trying to be boring
1: yeah i'm not trying to be boring i'm not uh, saying that you cannot have like a super eclectic bathroom or that you cannot have a crazy bedroom or whatever but i think it's a very I think it's a very good exercise to do to really reflect about your taste and your style. Uh, and I think that you've really taken things to the next level, Jeremy, with hiring someone or getting some help with your <laughs> wardrobe. I, I need to do that as well because uh, that will um, make things much easier when I dress in the morning.
0: Well, I mean, if you know, because well, it's not so much that I hired them, I said, hey, fix my clothes. But it was like w- when I got to understand more of what I liked through the environment, I realized, I was like, oh, I have this same attitude of just liking everything, and in a weird way, I can't have a relationship with something unless I have this direct connection with it, you know? So, if, if I was into, like, this sort of the, you know, a lot of people are into more of this kind of, like, 1970s um, aesthetic from things of, like... Uh, I don't know, um, Togo chairs, yeah. right? And 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 things like that, where it's like, oh man, I, I want to have that. And then you see how, well, you like that chair, but I also really like an Eames Lounge. And then I also like, you know, and you're like, well, now I just have this buffet of bizarro chairs that have an aesthetic, but they actually don't really fit. And so it was like trying to 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 see the real environment that I wanted. And then I, when I looked at my wardrobe and I was like, oh, this same principle is, I was like, I don't, you know. I don't really need this bright lime green colored jacket, you know? And so I, but I didn't really know how to like yeah, separate no, myself. I understand.
1: I think, I think that, I think that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious. Is that, uh, does, is that true for music as well? For music? Yeah, is that true for like your no. personal taste in music as well? Do you see a red thread in that as well? Or is that like too, uh, too big of a gray zone?
0: Well, no, I mean, that's a great question for me. Music is too emotional. And because I don't really display my, like I don't physically display my love for music, mm. like on walls mm. of my home or on my body, like I'll, I'll listen, you know, at some, some points I'll be very, very into like 1960s jazz or 1970s, you know, um, whatever. And then, at another moment, I'll be obsessed with classical stuff, like really trying to understand Bach and or be like, okay, I'm going to get into like Schubert and I'm going to get really nuts here and I want to learn, you know, and it's tough because also if you read about some of these people, you're like, oh man, these guys are kind of idiots or, you know, they, they didn't really have the the worldview that I that I would yeah. like to impart on my own children. But like with music, it's just totally yeah. different because I, I just get so obsessed with music. Like, I'm, I don't know if you've heard or whatever, I don't know how much you pay attention to the pod, but like I've just been nuts over like rediscovering the Beatles. Mm. And it's it's so dumb, right? Because everyone knows about the Beatles. But in a weird way, I think because it was always there, I don't think I really gave it the time mm. of day to truly, truly understand everything that was going on with them emotionally, with with them, you know, with their business and, and how bad, how horrible their deal was with EMI early in the days. You know, like they were making nothing. Um, you know, all sorts of stuff like that, to where it it gave me this different level of appreciation. Um, that's interesting, but I mean, that's just kind of me in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just get too obsessed with stuff. Yeah, no,
1: and I, I think that's just an interesting aspect as well because it it blends into the brand experience as well, as I see it, especially yeah. now when 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 we have a store, Uh and it, I'm uh, totally. I totally agree with you on that and i think that most people do that music is such an emotional thing so if you uh that's something that i get personally quite frustrated about uh not frustrated that's a bit of an ex uh, um, exaggeration but it affects my experience a lot if it's good music or bad music uh in a store or in a restaurant and i can Connect so so much so quick with someone that has a musical taste that is right up my alley. And w- when I was in Madrid this weekend, I uh, jumped into a taxi, and the uh, the taxi driver was uh, playing Smashing Pumpkins, and I just got so, oh, oh my gosh, gosh. It just, it just got so uh, so confused <laughs> because you had this Spanish guy like. 35, 40 years old and playing Smashing Pumpkins.
0: What era of Smashing Pumpkins are we talking about here? Siamese Dream, Melancholy. Uh,
1: melancholy. Uh, and, uh, you know, th- th- that was a band wow. that, that my sister used to play a lot when uh, when I was a kid. And every now and then I keep coming back to them, but it was just one... One thing that instantly made us connect, and uh, also one thing that to me, I don't think uh, it's true for, for a lot of people, but but to me, affects the, the perceptive uh, perceptiveness or the the uh, the vibe of the brand. Uh, if I listen to like a Spotify playlist that they have, or if I visit the store and the music is off, or if the music mismatches like the brand image, I just get really mm-hmm. confused, you know. Uh, <laughs> so uh, i'm uh, i'm uh, I keep coming back to being a bit of a like a perfectionist Germany and that might be charming to some and it might be like super annoying to, to other people but uh when it comes to the music in the store too oh, it's 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 tough at times just to be uh a bit over controlling uh when it comes to, like all touch points with uh, with how you want to have things
0: I think it's also the the volume. Of yeah. music too, to where, you know, um, a friend of mine, it does like interior industrial, like architect stuff. So he does retail stores. He does, you know, like, um, ex- like experiences or whatever. And he always tells people that the music in the space should always be totally forgettable in the sense that like, you just want it there. So people are a little bit comfortable, but they're not really going to recall what they heard there. Mm. They're, they're just going to know that when they were there, it was comfortable enough that they were able to enjoy the core product of what the place was. So if it's a restaurant, you're there, it, it enhances the food. But yeah, like, I mean, I remember going to Fuku early on in like the, the, the early aughts in 2000 and I would go in there. Yeah. Well you'd go in there and this, look, I love hip hop. Yeah. I'm going to be clear, but like, you know, you'd walk in there and you'd hear like Ghostface yeah. killer, you know, while you're trying to have your, your cold spicy yeah. noodles and it's super loud and it would just like it, it, it didn't really yeah. compute, I guess, in my head. Um, I mean, David Chang's talked about how it's important, but yeah, it, it just, it was weird. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, and maybe maybe uh, people are over-trying, you know? Uh, they, they want to create a cool brand or they want to create a cool restaurant. And and uh, what's the name of the guy, David Chang, right? Who has Mama Fuku? Uh, yeah. Really cool guy, you yeah, know? yeah, And he wants to hopefully, you know uh communicate the coolness of himself and his restaurants and then he just says oh let's add a lot of like cool music to it and uh maybe that's right i don't know but yeah right who knows but i i, I think for me personally that's such a sensitive thing uh and i totally sent yeah to. sense too i totally agree with um with your friend on that that it should enhance experience and us like uh, take over don't get me started on scents. You know, I have a guy in the team who used to run the biggest perfume blog in Sweden, and we, yeah, we spent like three days walking around to um, testing different scents. And uh, I, I've blended my own scents uh, as well. Not that I'm better than other like oh perfumists, but yeah, scents is that's next level, Jeremy. That's 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 probably highest on the grid for me when it comes to, like uh, sensitivity like really yeah yeah for sure for sure uh, i'm super duper sensitive to it and uh, my my family is well aware of it i've heard it uh, so many times and um, the people close to me are quite aware of it and not to say the least the people in the store now <laughs> <laughs> because uh, they are not allowed to to wear their own perfumes, uh, and I'm sounding like it's such a fucking psycho in this podcast, but it just again it takes over, you know. And uh, it's such a such an intimate thing, you know. So we just have uh, for for the sense for the people working in stores, just super light with a hint of citrus. Uh, so super okay, duper fresh, there you go. super yeah, but super duper fresh. And you're getting and your Mediterranean,
0: light. you know vibe yeah. in there yeah yeah, yeah.
1: okay and uh, also when we had like the the opening uh, like the launch event of the store we had some catering people helping us out who were terrific at their job but i had to ask one of the girls like you need to get uh, you need to go and wash uh, wash away your fragrance because it just takes over and it will affect the experience so I'm, of course, communicating all this in a very uh, kind and always humoristic way and and telling people that I'm uh, very strange and a bit different uh, and they uh, have a good laugh about it. But it's, again, to me personally, important to not compromise on, on the experience. So that's one thing. That I'm super inspired by like uh, brands and companies that have managed to stay true to their vision, uh, even though it's hard to communicate. Well, it's,
0: it's funny because people talk about Abercrombie in the 90s and Hollister, you know, and it was a very sensory overload experience with these brands. If you liked him or disliked him is irrelevant to the fact that the experience was just intense, right? Like they had. Uh, I, so I say this as someone who worked at Hollister when I was. What, of
1: course like, you I did. You were around 16, some 17. Germany. Of course you did.
0: <laughs> well, I didn't do the shirtless thing. I was. I wasn't. I wasn't up there. But like, I remember we had the fragrance, and the, before we opened the store, you just they opened up a bottle and they just fucking pour it on the floor. You know, on rugs and stuff. Not like people would slip, but you know, so you'd spray it, and then there were things in the walls and the corners that would um, mist every—I don't know—every couple hours or something along those lines. But so the, the the scent would constantly be in there, and there was a level that was assigned from headquarters of what volume the music had to be at.
1: Wow. Whoa. And so,
0: every, so that's why you know, because people would would come into Hollister, especially like adults, and they would be like, "What? It's too loud in here. You have to turn it down." And or it's like, "God, like the smell is so intense." And what was interesting though, and I I say this you know in, in a loving way that like I remember leaving Hollister with you know clothes that I had purchased or whatever, and um, I the the bag. Like I, I, in a weird way, I took home the physical experience of that and brought it into my home through the scent. Like I'm, I'm extremely um, obsessed and and sensitive to scent to where like I've, you know, people have heard this before. Like there's a, there's a perfumer in Rome and she does like home diffusers mm. and scents and stuff. And I, and I will order from them directly mm, and nice. get stuff. And, and it just, you know, I mean, for some people they don't care. For me, like that, that's the difference between a good day and a bad day. I agree. Is 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 the environment of what it smells like? Um, I'm very sensitive to like cooking smells too. Yeah. I mean, geez, Louise, yeah. don't even get me started on that. So like, but seeing what Hollister did, you know, in hindsight now, as someone who's you know been in more of the kind of like clothing and luxury world, I actually really admire it. I do, I I don't think that the tact was as good, but the fact that like they cared so much about the experience of it, to where the music was a certain volume, it was a certain playlist, the scent was this. The lighting was this, you do feel that when, you know, because they were in a mall, mm. right? So when you stepped out of the mall into the store, you really were transported. Mm. And, you know, for better or for worse of what people think of the brand, they did tick the box of bringing you to someplace else. Yeah. And it's funny because I think about that more, more lately as I've gone to other retail stores and you're like, well, there's, you just have a white wall and some product on it, but like, I don't really feel enticed to purchase or, inspired by the environment that i'm more inclined to purchase right Mm. and so it's it's interesting that you know we've talked so much about retail even though for most people they view you as a digital brand Mm. because being able to 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 put those two together is really really difficult um you, you know to have your digital experience mirror your your physical one or or at least pay as much attention to both environments so, yeah
1: no no i agree yeah. i agree with you on that and you asked me earlier if i could come up with a brand that i uh, that i'm inspired by or that i tend to yeah yeah you know, come back to or look up to and i think one brand is asop i think they've done a oh, tremendous okay. job on yeah. like it's really right up my alley when it comes to to uh, sense it's um it's really my kind of like taste when it comes to most of their stores. I think it's inspiring how they've teamed up with different architects, depending on the the, mm-hmm. the location of where they open the stores and the integrity of the brand and the strategy to like build your brand and build your awareness by opening nice stores and being like yeah, yeah. super Super old school about that. I think that's so inspiring in um, this kind of day and age. So there you have a, a brand that I definitely keep coming back to, and that I've uh, uh, looked up to for for quite a long time. And they've managed to just keep that integrity of their brand and evolve that over time as well. Really nice well, brand, actually.
0: Yeah, I mean, Aesop is very interesting because they did little to no print and physical advertising. Mm. Like when you when you think of it. I mean, because Aesop's still around. They were recently purchased for, I don't know, multiple billions of dollars. But, like, they, the experience of Aesop was totally unique in that it wasn't, like, something where you were plastered with, you know, um, any sort of, like, beauty campaigns mm. or influencers or um, it was always the physical store, that stupid thing. Incredible smelling soap, the Resurrection hand soap that I've continued to pay. It's almost fifty dollars for a dumb bottle of this soap. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But you enjoy it every I might time. Be... You
1: enjoy it every time. Oh, absolutely.
0: Right? Yeah. I I will I will eat cans of soup to make sure i can afford this dumb soap and i say it's dumb because i admit that it is rather expensive for something as
1: me too you know me too.
0: simple as soap but i think that's a
1: but i think that's it's, a, it's good yeah and i think that's a super interesting uh, observation uh that i cannot come up with so many brands uh or i cannot come up with any other brand that have managed to again come to the size where they are uh, and uh, with the global presence that they have with such a completely different strategy than all other than all other brands that we can come up with right exactly as you're saying they just focus a lot on the product and the physical experience like everything that you should do later on if you read the textbook example right so (laughs) i think it's just a a a very interesting brand with a very bold strategy and with a confidence in their strategy that's uh yeah very inspiring yeah they sold to l'oreal right or or who who did it sell to i i cannot remember
0: two and a half billion to l'oreal yeah yeah there you go so what was Tom Ford sold for? Okay, 2.8 billion. So I, I thought it was the other way around. Uh, so I mean still you're or 300 million apart from yeah. from one of the most successful independent designers of the past, you know, 20 some odd years. I mean that that's that's pretty crazy. Yeah,
1: it's uh, it's uh it's cool. It's it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. But there you have like a super irrational brand, right? It's just a a, a very good example that uh you do not buy on Logic for sure. If it, yeah. If, I
0: mean, but it goes to show you, I think that paying attention to all of that does make it work, you know, in the, in the sense that the the best thing that they did, you know, their own advertising was basically selling that soap, yeah. you know, because you, you put it in people's homes. It then became a status symbol at restaurants. You'd go use the restroom in a very nice restaurant and they have Aesop soap yeah. in there, you know. So much that they ended up selling the soap exactly, dispensers exactly. themselves because people would steal the soap. Who the hell is like using the bathroom at an expensive restaurant and taking home a bottle yeah. of soap? I let me know if anyone knows a person who's done <laughs> this. Yeah, it makes no yeah. sense to me. Yeah, but, that's yeah.
1: a that's a really good testament <laughs> to, to that you are doing a good job as a brand for sure. And and to on that theme as well, you mentioned like uh, having your homes sort of like I don't know like a lime colored stool and. Then and yeah, something super traditional and something super contemporary. The way that Ace have managed to combine so many different aesthetics and so many different designs while still holding mm-hmm. like the brand together is also they need to tell me someday how they've managed to do that. Because <laughs> I can walk into like a super lime green store in amsterdam and then i can walk into a super minimalistic but still comforting store in in stockholm that's entirely made of wood and then you can go into like a a store made complete out of uh, concrete or like uh, cement in uh, tokyo or seoul and still you just some kind of like weird way that the the things connect that's the next i think it's because
0: they force people to read I mean, I'm not being uh, I'm not being silly, like they because the the difference is you, you all the branding is identical, right? The A. S. O. P. logo is the same size, and then you have to read to distinguish what it is. You know, there's no packaging difference, really. You know, I mean, they they don't have like something that's entirely unique that no one's experienced before. They're all cylinders, or you know, it's it's just you have to read, and that's that's what distinguishes the product. Is you're like, oh. This is perfume. Oh, this is yeah. lotion, you know? Yeah. And so when you just throw it in there, I don't know. I mean, because trust me, I've tried to to like crack that nut too in ways
1: where I'm just like, why the yeah. hell? Does everyone love this brand so much, including me? Yeah,
0: yeah I think it's, uh
1: I think it's a very interesting example.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, thank you so so much for chatting. Uh it was uh it was a, it was a pleasure and I really appreciate thank it. Thank
1: you Jeremy. It was just pure joy, you know, and I uh I, I look forward to coming and visiting visiting you in the US. I uh we must do this live and uh have a beer physically as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks again. I'll I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right, that's it for this week's show. You've been listening to Blammo. Our show is produced by Blammo Media. We're edited by Amar Lull and our theme music by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. If you like what you heard, share the pod with a friend, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever thing you are listening to that you can leave reviews on. You know, give us the thumbs up or the five stars stuff, whatever. Uh, if you want to talk to us and give us your hot take, we'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at info at blamopod.com. Last but not least... You want to hang out with us and join the blam fam visit patreon.com forward slash blamo, where not only do we have tons of exclusive episodes but we have Blamo presents die workwear we have the triple j show we got other shows in there it's it's a good old time and of course the amazing slack community all right folks have a great week